It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this sixth day of May 2015. Every time I look at that date, I just can't believe how quick this year is going by. <laughs> it's just unreal. Uh, but at any rate, we're here today with our uh, uh, co-host, Jay Basser, and uh, our guest speaker, uh, Bob Waltz, attorney at law there, and uh, Alex Graham. And uh, how are you doing today, Bob? Well, pretty good. I, I survived... Uh our little earthquake over the weekend here in Battle Creek, and we uh, we made it back from the West Coast. But the the, the second day of the Nova meeting, uh, Alex came up to me. And he said, oh, "You know, uh, oh, we ha- you have to come back next week and do my BVA hearing." I said, "Well, okay. I want to get jet lag twice in one month." So, uh, but while we were there at Nova. Um, uh, uh, Alex sat with me the first morning, and, and he got up and he wandered back. And I walked over to say hello to the NVLSP people, to to Bart Stitchman and his uh, his attorneys. And and uh, the one young lady said, "Is is Ask not here?" And I said, "Well, yeah, he was sitting with me. He's he's back there." Oh, uh, I just love Ask not. I said, "Oh my God, he's got groupies." Oh my God! <laughs> and and Bart Stitchman is sitting there, and and he he looks over, and you know he's the complete law geek dude, right? So Bart looks over and he says, "What's an ask nod?" <laughs> and <laughs> and so I I asked the young lady. I said, "Did he bring you a book?" He says, "No, I I want a book." And I said, "Well, I'll I'll make sure." So I went over and admonished him. And then later on at the reception, Judge Sholin was there. And so I introduced uh, Alex to Judge Sholin. I said, Judge Sholin, this is this is Alex, and, and he runs the Ask Not blog, and he, he refers to you as, as St. Mary. And uh, so every <laughs> uh, she, she sort of got a... Kind of a ghastly look on her face, but she recovered well, and so it was. It was an interesting trip out there. Um, now, and I and I think we did a good job with Alex's BVA decision, and and he will probably he can do a whole show on that. But that's about this, uh, and he's made a posting on his site about it. But we he really dug down into the regulations and everything about this VR and E about the, you know, this voc, voc rehab and getting, uh, uh, you know, he's been fighting with them over a greenhouse. and But there's other things, you know, there's getting the computers. For a while, the VA was really getting the guys these computers, and they need them, especially now that everything has gone on, you know, on the Internet and everything and all this getting to your records, you know, and VBMS and everything. They were giving out computers to the, you know, to the guys that couldn't afford them and everything, and doing a pretty good job of that. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's just it just runs runs in spurts. You know, they're giving out computers like crazy, and then you can't get a computer. 
and then they're giving them out again, and then you can't get a computer. And I, you know, it just depends on who's sitting in the chair that day. You know, whether or not you get it. It's it's very uneven all over the country. So that's something those guys need to work on. That's that's a good topic for another another deal. But one thing that um, I had a, a report uh, years ago, and I and I, I, I it's filed away around here in paper. But you know, before we were scanning everything, putting it up on the computer. But I was asking, and Colonel Dan came up with the April 1984. Uh, uh, Congressional Budget Office study called Veterans Administration Health Care Planning for Future Years. And what they absolutely do in there, this is like the insurance uh, uh, actuarial guys. Okay, this is this is all these guys are are statisticians. You know, they're accountants, they're experts, and so they're running the numbers on the. They're looking at the VA hospital beds and clinics and staff versus the number of veterans in the in the system. Because it doesn't matter. The total number of veterans in the country doesn't really matter when you're planning this stuff. It's not the total number of veterans in the country. The, there, there are a couple important numbers when you're talking about veterans. There's the number of veterans that are ill and need some services, and then there's the number that actually show up and want to use the services. Now, the way that the government got over between World War II and and probably up until the the 70s was that most of the veterans were working. And they were working in union jobs and they had they had health insurance from their from the company. And they never set foot in a VA place until they retired or some bankruptcy or something, you know, killed their health coverage and then they had to, then they had to get into it. In that gap between the time that they hit and they were qualified for Medicaid. So they did this really good study in nineteen eighty four and they said, Wow, you know, there's a train wreck coming for the VA because the World War Two and Korean War vets are gonna need more nursing home beds. They're gonna you know, they're getting sicker as they get older. And, of course, after they retire, they lose their insurance. And, you know, they properly pro- projected all this stuff out. And, of course, everybody in Congress took that and threw it in the back corner and never opened it and read it. And then we went on down the road whistling for a few more years. Now, there's a parallel study about veterans' benefits, but I haven't dug that one out. I got we're still we're looking for that one. Then the CBO comes back... For sure, in July of 27th of 2000, uh, Dan Crippen, who's their director, talks about preparing for an aging population to the budget committee. And so they get into the same, you know, the same deal. They, t- they talk about those same factors and how they they impact, you know, Social Security and everything else. Not specifically oriented towards veterans, but it's talking about the same, you know, the same kind of issues, the demographics that, you know, they, they talk about. How is the population changing? Now, one thing in 1984 that the Vets Health Study couldn't predict, and, and they missed in there, 
Nobody understood in 1984 how really vicious the herbicides were going to be. You know, back then, even I did not. In my wildest dreams, you know, amongst us here on the show, ask yourself, did you think in 1984, would you have thought that we'd have all this diabetes in in the Vietnam vets, all this Parkinson's, all this cancer, all this heart disease? I don't think that we, maybe some scientists were thinking that and some, some doctors were seeing the trend, but I'm telling you that it was that was going by me. That was a train in the night going by. Uh, I just missed it. And so they didn't, they didn't have that piece of the puzzle. And, of course, we know that, that the government down at, at Institute of Medicine, they had that data. They knew it was going to happen. The scientists knew, and some of the bureaucrats knew. But they were keeping that from the Congressional Budget Office. It wasn't out there in the public where everybody could understand it. So that's a huge factor, was how sick the Vietnam vets were. Now, if you know a lot of these Vietnam vets that are ill, you know that these guys are... uh, And somebody told me that 80% of the Vietnam veterans now are dead. And, and I know that the ones of us that are still on the on the green side of the sod all have something wrong with them. I mean, I know that. You know, we're not a we're not a healthy cohort as the researchers would say. You know, we we've, we've got and and the, you know, I tell my these Vietnam vets walk in and their wives bring them in, you know, and well, I'm I'm not sick and I says, "Look, let me let me explain it to you this way." You were exposed to Asian Orange, to herbicides. You are going to get sick. And once you do, you won't have the energy or, or the, maybe the ability to work on this. So what you need to do is hunker right down and get busy and work on this now while you're feeling okay. And put... Put that, get that stuff done. Gather up these medical records and go get these tests and talk to people and get all that stuff done while you're feeling okay. Because when when this thing lands on you, you're not going to want to do it. You may you may not be able to do it. So that's my little lecture to people that are still doing okay. Uh, and as you know, you know, like like my friend Doug, you know, he's working along on these representing veterans and working on cases up at the board of uh, uh, board for the correction of military records and doing all this stuff and every, playing golf and life is good and then he calls me up and tells me he's got pancreatic cancer and two months later he's gone boom you know just like a hand grenade going off booby trap so that's yeah. the thing that I think the congressional budget office missed I think, like I said, I think there were in the in the deep deep dark recesses of government, there were people that knew that this was going to happen, but they were in their own self hypnosis, and of course they were just lying and cooking the books, as Charles Kelly says. You know, their their interest was in saving money, not not in doing their job and getting ready for the mission. So then we had the the first Gulf War. 
But that's a relatively small group of people. It's 385,000 or whatever boots on the ground. But that became a, 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 a... The scientists have said that that is the the sickest cohort in, in you know sickest group of veterans that we've ever had and they've they've died over half of them are dead already and that you know is only 25 years out so so that was a really healthy group of people between 18 and 55 25 years ago and now over half of them are gone and maybe, maybe a lot more, more than Well, but that's at, a little... same, at the same time, Bob, uh, we got an echo in here. Yeah, we got an echo. Oh, man. Uh, but at any rate, uh, didn't, wasn't there a lot of family members affected there with the uh, uh, Vietnam veterans as well as the Gulf War veterans? Yes, Congress Congress has never authorized any compensation for birth defects or for family members. There was leishmaniasis. There was a Cenobacter. There were a number of infectious agents that and communicable agents associated with the first Gulf War, and they they've never manned up about that. But yeah, we've got an echo. It's kind of bother bothersome. Now, so then the the CBO comes back, and there's one more report. They do in August of 2014. Okay. And as we were talking before the show, you know, they finally got around over here uh, in uh, near Toledo, Ohio. They opened a national cemetery. They opened a national cemetery north of Detroit a few years ago near Pontiac. There we go. We're clear now. Okay. Um, and and so they, you know, the one thing that they seem to do is that they they bury us and they seem to get us in the right in the right plot number most of the time. But they were they were way late in in opening up national cemeteries. You know, near near the major urban centers and for for all these areas, you know, a lot of the guys were, were might have wanted to be buried in a national cemetery had there been one available, but they were buried in the in their in their private plants. Okay, so this new study comes out, and um, it's it's really good that you can get it right off the internet. You can just Google it. It's uh, Congressional Budget Office, Veterans Disability Compensation, Trends and Policy Options. And, and again, that goes back to August of 2014. So when these guys tell you, oh, you know, who could have known and, and all this, you know, that's a bunch of garbage. Now, here's the, here's the trends. Um, the number of veterans receiving disability comp and spending on comp. Okay, so um, there were uh, in in 2000 there were 2.3 million veterans and there was 20 billion being paid on comp. 2013 there was 3.5 million veterans getting benefits and there was 54 billion 
almost triple, okay? And that's pretty much flat line. That's that's always been my comment, okay? That that right up until 2008, that's essentially flatlined. And you know, this is Alex's comment about uh we've had we've just had two wars. Think about this, guys. We've just had two wars that have lasted 12 years. We've also had the 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 Vietnam guys getting so sick, you know, over this over this last 10 years. And yet, this 15-year period. This study covers 2000. This graph is I'm looking at goes 2000 projects out to 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 2015. If you took a look at that 15-year, what's been going on in there? And Congress and the Bush administration were just asleep at the switch. They are flatlined. And I think, you know, you say, everybody says, well, you know, the comp, the number of guys on comp wasn't going up. Now, remember, the World War II and Korean War guys and Vietnam guys were dying left, right, and center. Okay. So there were new new people coming into the system that would run the number up, but at the same time, people were dying out of the system. And so the system was essentially it, it was essentially flatlined. So you've only picked up 1.3 million veterans. You know you've gone up by about half again. You know you went from 2.3 million veterans to 3.5 million veterans in in 12 years. Now, as the if if the we know that if the if the adjudication system worked properly that you would add some more people because there's a lot of people that are totally denied, right? And then there's a lot of people, but what's the normal guy that, or gal who's working on their benefits? You go in and you file a claim and you got five claims and what happens? They pay the they pay you 10% for your left foot and they pay a 10 10% for tinnitus ringing in your ears and you got you got 20% Everything else is denied, and now you're into a five- or ten-year fight to get those benefits. So we know that there's a lot of people that are in the hamster wheel in here. But, of course, if they're not married and they die, or if, even if they are married and they die and then the widow doesn't carry on with the litigation, then, then, they, you know, then they fall out of the, of the march. So it's a very interesting report and it's really worth um worth pulling it it's only um it's it's 23 pages long is all it is but it's really good good numbers and um they um and and but what are they what what's the CBO saying oh you know we can save money Let's quit giving out um, TDIU. Let's quit, quit giving out unemployability for people who are who are under retirement age. Huh? Oh no, no. What they're saying is they 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 only want they want they want to cut your IU off when you hit sixty two. Okay. They want it, they they think that it's a fair proposal to cut. IU off when you hit when when your social security old age kicks in. Well, there's two problems with that. One is 
a lot of guys that are on IU because they're they're they were never able to work, they don't get any social security old age. Or maybe six hundred bucks or something stupid, right? That's yeah. one problem. What's the what's the other problem with that? When I was a kid, my first job when I was sixteen years old, I went went to work for the local industrial supply here in Battle Creek. The owner was a World War One veteran. He was seventy six years old. And he worked every day. And the guy who ran the the receiving department was eighty eight years old and worked half days every day. So there's a lot of us that but for our illnesses, but for our service-connected problems, we'd be still running our family businesses, we'd be still working for somebody. But we can't. You know, these guys can't. And they and that's exactly what compensation is meant for. It, the word is compensation, right? And basically for people who don't know who are listening, basically what the VA compensation system is, it's modeled after workers' compensation. That's why the percentages are there. It's not Social Security Disability where it's like a light switch. It's on or it's off. It's either you are totally disabled or you're not disabled. You know, that's Social Security. That's not what the VA system is about. The VA system was designed to say, okay, you lost a hand. You're still able to work. You can still do some things, but it's reduced your quality of life, and we realize that there's a limitation on your ability to earn and do things, and therefore we are compensating you so much a month to make up for that. We're trying to... Get you equal. Now we know that that Congress has never set, and the VA have never set those rates realistically. You know, I don't know what little tiny small village town out in the country, you know, that they've used to to figure out that you could live on, you know, live on on even three thousand dollars a month. You know, you can't live in New York City on that unless you unless you live in your in your friend's. Um, rent a bedroom from your friend or something you know uh, uh, that's why a lot of disabled veterans live out in the woods because it's cheaper out there but they um you know so so congress has got all this stuff uh um you know they're looking at all this stuff and of course they use their wicked little evil formula which keeps people off 100%. There are not. Um, in, in 2013, there was just over 180,000 vets getting IU. And 60% of them were over the age of 65. Now, Congress is talking about this, okay? this is This is real stuff. And they they give a lot of weight to what the CBO says. So this is what's on their table now. Got our echo back. I don't know where that came from. Okay. Change.
change concurrent receipt. They want to go back. Remember Bush and, and Cheney in 2000, they promised they were going to give full concurrent receipt and if, for the retirees. And if you guys remember the story, uh, what was going on with con- concurrent receipt is that at one time, I guess historically, way back in the in the past, the, the guys got it. In other words, if you were retired and, and you were getting uh, your military retirement, you could also get your VA compensation. And I had guys that were getting their military retirement, and then they were getting Social Security disability because they had another job. I had one guy who was a... Uh, uh, you know, retired, and then he was a cop, and he got got injured on the job, and then he he applied for, and he got his Social Security disability, which of course does drop off. Now, Social Security disability automatically converts over, you know, when you hit age sixty five, but Social Security also, I think, has a rule where you get the you get the higher of the two benefits. If if your if your retirement Social Security would be say a hundred dollars less than the disability, they leave you at the at the higher rate, so there's no arm there okay so so now they're saying oh well let's go back we oh we gave concurrent receipt remember how they did it they were supposed to do it straight up in other words you can have your military retirement and if you get 10 percent from the va or you get 100 percent from the va you can have that too and then they came up with the Rumsfeld came up with their their formula they got this big formula and well you know so so in like you know, a, a thousand years into the future, the ten percent guys will finally be able to get paid for concurrent receipt. Well, that wasn't the deal. The campaign promise in two thousand by Bush and Cheney was that they were going to see that full concurrent receipt was implemented, and then they decided that, wow. Was anybody listening? Well, guys were listening, and this is the this is the change. This is the internet, because the military retirees were listening, and they got together on the internet, and they got a they got a a, a working group, a chat group, discussion group like this. They got it together, and they started working together, and it turns out that all the big organizations, the retirees organizations, stuff that were supposed to do it, they didn't want to do it. But the guys and gals got together and they worked on it, and they were becoming uh, a kind of a of a problem four years later as Bush is running for reelection. So they they did it. They they Congress passed this bill. Well, this bill's ridiculous because again it was a phase in thing over time and what they did is they figured out that by the time it got phased in all the world war ii korean war and vietnam vets would be pretty much dead you know and they wouldn't have to pay out too much money so a lot of people benefited from that also remember they had that they hired the contractor to, to do defas and, and implement this and do that and, oh it was horrible getting getting on there and they were goofing up people's retirement pay and everything but finally they got it done, and now it works pretty well. When when somebody becomes eligible now, uh, you know you you get a hold of DFAS, and it takes them it takes them a couple of days to implement it, and and they get their benefits. And it's it's a system that's working, and everybody's entitled to it. Because here's the deal on concurrent receipt: 
you, you think about think about this, okay? You you were in the military and you get hurt, you got shot, and you get compensation for that. That's your VA compensation. But you stayed in the military. You stayed in the military and you retired in 20 years. So you come out and you're 42 years old and you come out of the military. You have your military retirement. And by the way, they're getting ready to change that too, right? They want to do a big takeaway on that. And they want to say, oh, well, we want to do like the National Guard you know, in reserve so that you, well, you're, you're retired now, but you don't get that money until like if you live to be 62 or something. Well, that wasn't the deal. And you give up the best 20 years of your life to uniform service, I figure you're entitled to that. You know, and I, you know, that's my position on it. I'm not going to change. Nobody's going to talk me out of that. I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody retiring and then and coming out of uniform and going and getting another job. What are they supposed to do? Go down on the beach and sip Mai Tais? You know, of course they're going to go work after they retire. And if a guy does 30 years, he doesn't retire anyway, right? They throw you out the gate. You're forced to retire. 30-year cap, right? Oh, well, age cap, you're out of here. See ya, you know. I know you spent your whole life in uniform, but Gunny, but now go find something that you can do. You know, find find a new find a new gig. Okay, so then they find that new gig. And while they're doing that, they're in a construction accident and they get hurt. And they get Social Security Disability. And also when they got out, they filed a VA claim. And they had their gunshot wound and and they had their PTSD and they had their broken leg. And when they add it all up, you know, they're getting, they're getting 70, 80% and they're eligible for unemployability. But each of those programs is a separate and distinct program. Now, for instance, if if you're a, a if you were drafted in Vietnam and you got all shot up and they boarded you and they military they medically retired you from the military, the family is stuck. The wife is stuck on Tricare for life. Can't have Champ VA. We were saying before that Champ VA is the the, the best program in the VA. The thing that really works. Champ VA smokes. It's really great. And anybody that's out there, if you're on unemployability or 100%, your wife is eligible for CHAMP VA. And if your parents are ill, if if your mother is sick and she's living with you in your house, she's eligible for CHAMP VA. And if you're raising a couple of grandkids and you're their guardian and you've got them in your house, they're eligible for CHAMP VA. Get the card. It's a good insurance. It's a good program. Oh, they don't have to be adopted? No. But you got to look at the rules. You know, they're changing all the time. But um, but there's um, if if they're in, um, you can list on the 686. They've, you've got to pick them up with the, with the 21-686-C. You know, you've got to you've got to have them picked up on your on your award. Um, but there's foster and there's different kinds of of criteria there. But you've got to check on that. But if you can get any situation in which you get people picked up on your 686C, 
then they're eligible. If they're on there and listed, then they're eligible for a CHAMPA card. But okay. so the first step, the first, and you know, a lot of these guys, by the way, you know, guys and gals, they go through uh, all this, you know, years. We, we've got a gal just one. She got, uh, uh, I think, ninety percent an IU this week. But when we picked her up three years ago, none of her. <laughs> she got two little kids at home, and she's real sick, and two little kids at home, and uh, and and married, and nobody had been picked up. On her 686C, so that was the first thing we noticed, and we hopped on that and got that all done. So now we got her an award, and of course they're they're all Champ VA eligible now. So you got, but you, but you, you know, sometimes that takes a year. You can fuss around a long time getting those dependents done because you got to go get the birth certificates and these divorce certificates and marriage certificates and all that stuff gathered up and turned in, and it can kind of be a hassle. So we we like to hop right on that and get working on that, so that by the time you know somebody gets an award, that those people have been added in there. So so here's CBO, and and you know that's their job. Don't don't get me wrong. This is not CBO advocating for this, but they're just throwing stuff out. They're saying, well, you can do this and you can do that. Uh, you know, they're just they're they're just a bunch of bean counters looking at ways to save a buck or two. Okay, but I'm just saying to the veterans community, uh, you guys and gals need to get up off it and dust it off. You need to be paying attention to things like this. And of course, the other thing is, uh, uh, what did what did the VA do on on TDIU? TDIU used to be around uh, this regional office here. Used to be a pretty easy thing. Well, you hit your 60 for one thing, like your back, or you hit 70 combined, and you weren't working. You got a phone call from the from the DRO or somebody said, well, is your guy working? He said, no, he's on Social Security Disability. He's never going to work again. So, okay, and you got your IU. While we're talking about IU, we had yet another veteran come in yesterday who had gotten his uh, 21-4140-1, I think that's the right form number, the the TDIU verification form. He'd gotten it saying, you know, we sent you this form and you didn't answer. And he came in and said, I never got that form. And I said, I know you're right, because nobody's getting them. I mean, nobody. I mean, like... Out of probably 60 guys we have on IU, when it comes time for annual verification, like one or two of them are getting actually getting the form sent out the first time. The computer's not sending them out, or the people who are supposed to send them out are not sending them out. And then they come back with this last chance offer. We sent you that form, and if you don't fill out that form, we're going to take your IU away. Now, of course, this guy also, they had his zip code. His zip code is 49002. And they had his zip code is 498942, which is too many numbers and, okay. And you know the post office and their computer and everything. Everything's computer sorted. Somehow, 
somebody pulled that out for him and 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 got it to him. So he got the second one. He didn't get the first one because Louisville Regional Office, this guy's a Marine, and and it, he's down there having his Camp Lejeune claims denied in Louisville. By the way, you might take a survey on the on the website. If anybody's won a Camp Lejeune case, please put up your hand. Please send an email to to Gerald and 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 let us know. Because I've got about eight Camp Lejeune Marines, and I've never won a Camp Lejeune claim yet. So I'm you know, but we live in we live in hope of that one great day when we will get a win on a Camp Lejeune claim. But if anybody's won one, you might, you know, let us know the circumstances of it. Because all that is is smoke and mirrors, folks. You know, they're just abusing these Marines and their families. Holding out hope, but that they're sure they're sure not paying those claims. And they, they made Louisville mission control on the Camp Lejeune water mission. And here's a bunch of guys that they're... Uh, Let's say that they're a little motivationally challenged down there. I don't know what's going on, but it's pretty grim. So anyway, my Marine gets this garbled up letter sent sent out. And he gets it the second time, apparently he gets it. So he brought it in here and then he and then he said, Well, I filled it out and I, and I sent it to them. I says, Well first of all, folks, everybody, hello. The mail rooms are closed at the regional offices. Unless they send you a return envelope, okay, unless they send you some kind of a return envelope and, and tell you to mail it back to them, you've got to go to the two web portals. You've got to fax things in to the VBMS web portal. And they always send you that list. They always send you now with everything they mail out. They send out that chart. If you're if you live in these states, use Noonan, Georgia. If you live in the west, the western states, you use um, uh, the one up in in Wisconsin, Janesville. But you gotta send that stuff in there and get it up on VBMS. By the way, if you think there's old evidence that was really important in your case and they're not looking at it, there's nothing wrong with sending it back in again, faxing it back in to that, to that number. I did complain a couple months or weeks ago about Janesville not having a receipt page, not getting a confirmation page, and guys, they have fixed that. They are now, they are now issuing a confirmation page which tells you the date and the time and how many pages they received from you. Okay, that's the good news. But you knew this was this is VA land, so you knew there had to be some bad news, right? So Noonan has put in some new and improved computer software. So now you fax in a notice of disagreement, and normally, as as soon as the fax machine finished, and and our fax machine would generates a local, you know, confirmation receipt. And as soon as it shut off, then it would immediately turn back on. You would get your confirmation receipt from Noonan, and you would pick that up and put that on there, and you'd go go in there and put it in the file. Oh, no, we've made it better now. 
Now you get your confirmation pages the next day or two or three hours later. So these things come, you know, I fax in four or five things, you know, and so then these confirmation sheets come shooting out of there, and i got to go around and find that file and get those associated with the right with the right thing. That's their improvement. Check the improved box. That was working very well. It wasn't broken, so we decided we would fix it. <coughs> and now it doesn't work so well anymore. Now, that's another thing where we want people to to give us some feedback. If here is the example and some of the guys we were talking before the show. This is the this is the main example. Money shows up in the veteran's account. Money shows up. A retroactive pay, which means you've won something. But you don't have any paperwork for it. Now when I have I have it set up to where the VA puts my puts my twenty percent fee in escrow. And they have to issue the attorney fee coordinator at the regional office has to issue a little three page decision saying, Well, you know, you did all this work and you were the attorney and, and then this happened and then we paid the guy and it goes one of two ways. Um and this week by the way it's been going for as far as I'm concerned, the bad way. Uh, this gal we just won $85,000, $100,000 for, uh, we got the attorney fee decision, and they said, well, you know, you did all these new claims, and you did all this work, and you worked for three years, and you did all this stuff, and we literally collected her private medical records cost us $1,700. And she's paying us this week. But we, we had to go to all these... This gal's had a lot of surgeries, and they were all private sector, you know, insurance covered them. And we had to go around to all about five different states and collect and, and three different medical posts. And I think there were three different ROs. She'd moved around. She's a military wife, and she'd been moving all around. We had to go chasing after all this stuff. We got this big pile about three feet tall of all these medical records that she had never turned in. Nobody had ever told her to get them and turn them in. And that's why she won her case. We're not over. We've got to do an appeal. But here's the thing. She got the money, and we got an attorney fee decision telling us that we don't get paid anything. But she doesn't have the decision. And just like Stretch, she's going to have to go chase it now. we got to go chase it. And while we're busy chasing these decisions that we didn't get, we're not working on other things we should be working on, right? Uh, the other day we got a claims file in here. The claims file comes in, and I'm just flipping through it, you know, just flipping through it. And down on the bottom of about a thousand-page claims file, the last document, way down at the bottom, the last thing, was a 29-page statement of the case in which the guy lost every one of his claims, dated a month before, about three weeks before, with my proper address on it. I had never gotten it. 
and the veteran had never gotten it. Now, I will tell you what happens up at the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims when you go in there and say, I never got my statement of the case. They'll say, oh, presumption of regularity of the mail. The VA never makes any mistake. You are obviously liars. Now, one thing when this happens, when you get into this, this is this is not a small thing, okay? Treat this seriously. One of the things the veteran has to do is you have to get a notarized affidavit. And, you know, you got Notary Public over at the credit union or at the bank or, you know, your your attorney's office. Even if you don't have an attorney as a representative, you know, there's, there's Notary Publics around in your town, right? We will send you a format for this. Of, of how you have to lay this all out. We'll give you a sample of this affidavit. So that if you don't receive something, and then you find out about it later, and and I'll tell you how we found out about it. Sometimes, like I said, you get this attorney fee decision. But if you don't get paid, if every issue gets denied and there's no money, how would you know that you didn't that it didn't get mailed to you? So we're we're sending a letter out to every one of our clients this month saying if you get something in the mail from the VA, please call us and let us know because we may not have received it. That's a violation of due process. That's a lack of that's a lack of notice. Notice is the cornerstone of due process. That's where due process starts. You, you know, if somebody sues you in court, and this, by the way, some, some of these slimy attorneys do this stuff, okay? They sue you on a collections thing. They sue you for a collection. They want to collect a bill. They just never serve you with that action, so you can't go in and defend it. And I've I've had around here, I've had people come in and want help on those. And you can almost never win them. Because the court will just say, well, you know, you can't prove that you weren't served. Here's here's where they say they served you, and, you know, you. how can you say you weren't served? Well, because the process server's lying, because they never did it. Now, on a million-dollar thing, they might, the process server might be a little more careful and really track you down and, and nail you, but on a little, you know, $300 deal, they just paper whip it and say that they did it. And you just you just can't overcome that. You know, there's there's these papers in the file that said they got served and you know, so here's the client saying, I didn't get served and the judge is just gonna the mob's gonna flop towards the plaintiff on that every time. That's the problem we're in in the VA. And what we've got to educate the board and what we've got to educate the court, the judges in the court, is that the VA doesn't run like that, like a business. And if it never gets dropped in the mail hopper, 
you know, never is the day you're going to get it, right? That's right. So they can have all the wonderful documents on this earth up in their VBMS system that nobody can log into and take a look at. And also, for my homeless veterans and my mentally ill veterans, they're not checking VBMS on their smartphone like these young uh, Iraq-Afghanistan vets. You know, they they got an app on their smartphone. They get in there looking, hey, look, something's happening in my case. And they'll call me up and tell me. But... And if they don't get it in the mail because they're checking in once a week, you know, they'll probably catch it. The other thing is some of this stuff's getting done and not even getting posted on VBMS because it's an old paper file, right? Half paper, half electronic, or all paper still, not getting done. But we, as the veterans and the the VSOs and the attorneys, we have got to educate the board, and we've got to educate the court about how pervasive this is, how much of this is going on. And NVLSP said they'd work on that, so we, we're we're trying to get some samples together for them. But what happened to me at Detroit RO? We went in on a on a DRO hearing, and it was like on a Tuesday. We had a week where we had. We had a couple of weeks where we had a lot of them. So I, I went in like on a Tuesday with my veteran, and I said, well, what about the, this PTSD claim? And the, the DRO flipped through the file and said, oh, that was denied. And I looked at my veteran, and my veteran looked at me, and I, we said, huh? And so they, the DRO showed us right there. There's your – and it was it – was, about 360 days before. And he made us a photocopy of it. And I went right back to the office. As soon as I got back that night, I prepared a notice of disagreement and I filed it. We come back the next week. I've got an Air Force veteran who's got cancer. He's so sick he can't drive a car anymore. His younger brother had driven him over to Detroit for the hearing. His younger brother pays all his bills. His younger brother drives him around because he can't drive a car. We're going over what the issues are going to be in the hearing before we start the tape recorder. I said, what about the PTSD claim? Oh, well, you lost the PTSD claim. That was denied. And he shows us a rating decision that is about 370 days old. And he gives us a copy of it. I come back and I filed an NOD and I wrote a letter and I said, you never sent that to us. And when we started this tape, okay, when we started the tape under oath, we were all sworn, I said there apparently was a rating decision issued that denied PTSD in this case. I never received a copy of it. The veteran said, I've never seen it before. And his brother said, I handle all of his mail. 
I take care of all of his uh, affairs. I pay his bills. I drive him around, and I've never seen it before. What is the position of the VA? Go to hell is the position of the VA, okay? We sent it to you, and you didn't respond to it. Well, it wasn't that long ago, Bob, that I got a decision that you'd not seen. I had, uh, you know, I faxed it to you. Right, and that's a very, very common. When, you, when you're starting with a new VSO or you're starting with uh, a new attorney, uh, and, and, well, Alex, you know, I, I represented Alex for two years before I got the first piece of mail from him. Two, three oh, years. Two, three years. We've got our We've got echo, our echo back, back again. Okay, so I, I, I hope I've given everybody some food for thought today. Um, one thing we want to get into we're we're working on something um one of the new attorneys uh who's a disabled vet uh Ben Krauss and maybe Ben will come on the show and talk about it but uh Ben has been able to through FOIAs he has got a database now with all the credentials of all the VA C&P examiners and they're he's trying to get it put into an order where they can put it up um uh, Mr. Stitchman has said they would put it up on the website for NVLSP so everybody can go in there and look at, at see who these examiners are and what their qualifications are. But you might be surprised at the lack of qualification some of these people have to, to, to sign off on your CMP report. So we'll we'll take a look at that. And the court got into this issue... Uh, just recently, in a case called NOR, N O H R, it's C A V C case 13 1321, and the opinion is October 30th, 2014. And if anybody's been having uh, uh, trouble with a CMP examiner or, or uh, thinks that, that a CMP opinion is uh, is not worth the paper it's written on. That's a good place to start your your reading right there. Um, so what do you think? Uh, I think it uh, it's one hell of a mess. <laughs> well, I can second well, that. This- What's going on with this VRE junk that you guys are talking about? Well, VRE is uh, it's it's all show and no go. You know, it's that it's that beautiful uh, uh, waxed, uh, uh, beautiful '57 Chevy convertible, and then you you open up the hood and there's no engine inside. You know, you turn the key and nothing happens. You you pop the hood and there's no there's no engine. Uh, they these guys. What happened to VRE is they, of course, if there's no customers for VRE, you know, you know, vocational rehab goes on pretty typically early in 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 a veteran's history. And in, in other words, if if you become a disabled veteran, you become qualified for for voc rehab services, and then 
so that's going to go on, you know, right after you get rated. That's that's something you're going to do in the first few years, right? Whether you're going to school on the GI Bill or you're going to school on voc rehab to trade school, whatever you're doing, you're typically doing that, you know, in the first few years after you've been rated. And then you get your new trade and you get your new business. And, and maybe 10 years later you have to come back from another bite of the apple because your disabilities get worse. You can't You can't do what you were doing anymore, so you've got to retrain again, and you're eligible to do that. But obviously, after the Vietnam guys aged out, uh, voc rehab was, when when Vietnam got cranked up, voc rehab was in trouble, but they were lucky because there there were some of the Vietnam and Korean War guys who had gone through voc rehab, became employees, and then they were able to, to work the Vietnam guys through it. But then we got into a long dry spell where that you know there weren't too many disabled vets. There's sort of a steady you know the Cold War steady trickle, but there wasn't a big flood of of customers. Well, now you got you got a lot of people, and you've got a lot of people with traumatic brain injuries and a lot of amputations from these two wars that have been going on for 12 years. And voc rehab just. It had been dismantled. It had just, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? You know why people when they, you know, when you when you put that rifle in the in the closet, you're supposed to leave the bolt open, right? Because it'll it'll rust up on you. And they just hadn't used it. So then the answer is, well, you know, we got to fill these slots. Well, these people, I think these people are undertrained. I think they're uh, so it's it's for what I say is it's form over function. In other words, it, it, it looks pretty like that car with no motor in it, but um, but Alex extracted uh, these statistics from the v, from the VA, and there's there's states that didn't make a grant. You know, you see where they're where they've got like say a thousand people they're seeing, and they're only making like twenty grants. You know, well they're just they're just shuffling papers around. That's not getting disabled veterans trained. And the other thing is, the word gets out that well, you go over the VRE, but they won't do anything for you. So then the guys don't, then the gals don't show up. That that's a really important function, and it needs to work. It is more complicated than getting you buried. You know, DD two fourteen death certificate, body, bury. Okay, you know that's pretty easy. Mow the lawn, water the lawn, put the flags up in the morning, take flags down at night. You know, National Cemetery, not so much of a problem. Folk rehab, a little more complicated. And they do not seem to be accomplishing their mission. That's all. Looking at those statistics, which we turned in in, in Alex's BVA hearing to the BVA judge, it, it just looked to me as if I ought to be concerned as a taxpayer and a veteran and a veteran's advocate that maybe VRNEs not uh, not doing the best job they could with the resources they have, and maybe part of that is that that they've only got just enough people to shuffle the paper, and they don't have enough people uh, people to really dig in and do the job. That might be a thing, you know. But whatever the whatever the 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 reasons for the problem is, I think it ought to be fixed. I, I it just it just statistically. Um, it smells fishy. It doesn't smell good. It doesn't as as my old friend Doug Colbert would say. It doesn't 
pass the smell test. So I think we, we need to look into that, and, and Alex and Ben Krause are digging around on it, so maybe they can come on the show sometime and, and get into it in, in great detail. And, and Ben Krause has written that book on voc rehab, too, and it's up on his blog. So uh, the guys, anybody that's going to do voc rehab probably is, is well uh, um, advised to get that book and, and get some help. Yeah, and I'm I'm invited uh, Ben to come on the broadcast here and be a guest speaker, which he said he would, but we never uh, have established a date as yet. Um, can I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm kind of new to this, uh, and my question about um, vocal rehab, vocal rehab. I noticed that I was just looking at the period of basic eligibility. It said. The basic period ends 12 years after the date of notification of one of the following. Date of separation for military service or date the veteran was first notified of a service-connected disability. So my question is, is that if, if, if 12 years has already passed since I retired, then I would not be eligible for it even because I, my first claim is not decided yet. I'm, I'm, uh, no, uh, the, the, right. The clock is, I, I think... If you're a retiree, now if you were medically retired or something, they may have an exception. They they may be able to to open a, a case for you, um, but you know, call them up. You know, that's okay. Because I didn't know what I didn't know was say because I because pretty soon I'm going to get my disability rating, but it's been more than 12 years since I've been retired though. Right. Well. So. Yeah. That that's the deal, and and uh, but they they may also. Um, they they did they came back uh for there's a there was a special clause in there uh for some of the uh, the early OIF OEF vets they came back and gave them some extended grace period because they they realized on on getting claims done and and yeah. getting, getting reconsideration from the uh their boarding process because the 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 DOD admitted and the VA admitted that the boarding process and the notifications had been defective and that may be coming yeah. to an end now but there there was something like that in there but all these things there's 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 always exceptions to the rule and i guess right. the, the best and the best thing to do is like you've been doing is dig into the regs and the cases and don't take anybody's word for anything well, my my big surprise since I've been involved with this whole process, uh, my I submitted my first claim uh, a year and a half ago, and it's almost I'm almost getting to the point where um, I'm I'm in the pending decision approval. I've been there for about six weeks, uh, but you know, uh, it's just how complicated the system is, and and trying to understand all these these things, and I. Originally, I went to a, a veteran service officer, and I didn't really get have a good experience. But I've learned if if you use sites like Cadet.com, that you know you can learn most of this stuff. Like it's very nice that you guys are having this call today because it's always I try to listen in now because it's always so beneficial uh, to people who are just learning the system. Sure. But, if you it, listen, if you if you want to do this yourself, and 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 here's. This is what I say to every veteran, and we say to every client that comes through this door, this right. is your case. 
It's not my case. Got it. And the veterans that have the best success in this are the people who advocate for themselves. Yes, I agree. And and so, and we've talked on the show about this before, but I'm going to give them the little uh, Lexus Nexus. Okay. Right. Lexus Nexus has the two books, and those are the that's you know that's Bart Stitchman and Ron Abrams. Those books come right. from the the NVLSP. There's the Federal Veterans Laws and Rules in the in the paperback book, and there's the Veterans right. Benefits Manual in the paperback book, and there's the there's the CD, and the CD has the the compensation and pension um, physicians guide on it, the rules, what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do a CMP exam, and report. They've got all kinds of all the court cases are on that CD. The three yeah. the three things are like three hundred dollars, and that's the best three hundred dollars you'll ever spend in your life if you're going to do that. Those. See, I could take it. So I heard Lexus Nexus. I got that. What yeah, was the other one? Uh, they've got a website, okay, and and they have a they have a a, a toll free number to call. Just a minute, I'll give it to you. I promote these guys because this is the best show in town here. Um, you call. 800 533 got it 1637 right and they had a they had a product code for all three of them together okay and it's only like i i think all three of them together is like 300 bucks yeah it's not the money's not a problem at all but it, I mean, no but this is like this is like going from this is this is like going from from driving a Volkswagen, the old Volkswagen with a 68 horsepower, yeah. to driving a Maserati. <laughs> okay. Well, my you know my only regret right now is that I wish I would have come across Hatta.com before I submitted my claim because I think a, I think the claim that went in is a good claim and very strong and solid and I understand the basic rules. I used to be a federal FOIA officer a few years ago, so I understand rules pretty well. And um, But I, what I've learned in the last year would have made a difference for me, I think, because there's so much to learn out there. So sure. thanks again for your help because uh, I'll, I'll definitely get these books and review them. And, uh, and like I said, I'm going to know anyway. I think probably in the next month or two I'm going to get my answer. So hopefully <laughs> – I'm not going to have to get out and do a bunch of nods or appeals or anything well, like that. Well, you know, that's you know, we 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 live in you hope of know. that great day. I've I've been doing this for 25 years, and I've actually had two cases that went start to finish in less than a year, and I got a resolution. And one of the guys was a was a Beirut guy. Okay. Yeah. And so, as well, he might have. <laughs> You know, yeah, of course. But you but bet. 25 years later, you know, he he finally gets gets through the system and he gets through in nine months and and he certainly deserved to. But I Absolutely. had another guy, I had a high school buddy that went through in about 11 months. And outside of that, I'm here to tell you, you know, that it's like the old picture I have hanging on the wall here. You know, there's a lot of or the cowboy. There's a lot of things they they didn't tell me when I signed on with this outfit. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, one of the things I'm concerned about in the future is, um, you know, it's whether I should get an attorney or not, and and all that's going to be predicated upon getting a final decision. So 
I, I know, I understand the process and, you know, the different levels that you go through. So I, I my problem, like most people, is I don't have a lot of patience, but I'm, <laughs> I'm learning to be a very patient person with this process. Yeah, well, get my my advice probably is to is is to get an attorney to be your spirit guide. Um, I was I was uh, Asknod's spirit guide in his fight. I think he's finally come to the end of his twenty five year odyssey. But uh, also Asknod on his website on his blog, he's got a little book that he wrote about the um, the process. Yeah, he sent me actually. He's, he's him and I have corresponded a few times. He's he's a great guy. He lives in my not far from me. I'm in I'm in the Seattle area, so he's not far from here. Yeah, he, and he's been a big help. Yeah, well, so, Alex uh, comes on the show once a time, and I think that that's that's a cautionary tale to anybody that listens. I mean, if if uh, these people are willing to consort with Alex and I and have us on the show, I think that that, that, that speaks volumes. <laughs> well, anyway, folks, thanks again for everything you're doing. Okay, thanks for calling in. Okay, bye bye. Well, with that, Bob, I think we're out of time unless any of the other callers out there have a question or comment. <laughs> no, I think that's uh, – thanks for having me on, and we, we kind of got into a different issue than we were going to cover, but I think we got some good stuff in today, got some good licks in. Well, you sure yeah, you did, <laughs> and I appreciate it. So hopefully we'll have you on here again real soon, and, and – uh, 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 Ashnod there, or Alex, I don't know what happened to him. He, well, I'm uh, still here. I'm just letting <laughs> give my vocal cords a spell. <laughs> <laughs> just, just hiding out. Just hanging out. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got to get, maybe uh, we can get Dr. Glenn Johnson and Ben Krause to come on and do kind of a panel discussion about traumatic brain injury. Because these guys, uh, these guys are really on their game on that, and there's some new research now showing that about 10 years out, um, these brain cancers the guys have been getting are related to um, to that sort of the genesis of it is the traumatic brain injury, and so we got to get everybody watching for those. Okay, Ooh, you guys okay. have a good day. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Bob. All right. See you later. Bye. And you too, Alex. Well, Roger that. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Master Show. <laughs>